you could have more fulfillment and ease in your professional and personal life and still be ambitious. Join me, Kathy Onetto, founder of Sustainable Ambition, for conversations with experts, authors, and friends on what it means to live with sustainable ambition. Learn concepts, tips, and tools to craft a fulfilling career on your terms while still being ambitious and avoiding burnout. For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. This is episode 50, where I'm going to be doing a review. But let me just first say, wow, I can't believe I'm already at episode 50 of the show. It's really been such a joy to be in conversation with experts, authors, and friends over the last 15 months. I am so grateful for all of my guests who have been on and shared their knowledge, insights, and experiences, and I hope you've appreciated them as well. And I'm also so grateful for for all of you listening in. So in honor of my guests and all of you, today I thought I'd share 10 themes and common insights we've heard about living and working with sustainable ambition from all these wonderful guests. I've also been updating my own thinking on the mindset and method around sustainable ambition based on my own experiences, research, and working with clients. And some of that may find its way into this review as well. So some of my initial thinking definitely has been confirmed and but also definitely built upon and deepened, uh, along with new insights and ideas showing up as well. So before I dig into the review, I just wanted to give a little bit of background and go back to my first solo show, actually, actually, uh, which was episode number 10, where I shared what sustainable ambition means to me and why I think it's an important concept for us to consider when managing our careers, and especially in today's world. Now, I've been working on this idea for the last five years. It really got sharpened in the last two or more. And it's interesting because over this time, when I've really been thinking about, in particular, sustainable ambition, I've realized that I've been likely living this most of my adult life. There's definitely been times when I've lived a little bit off what I think of as sustainable ambition. And that's frankly, when I kind of ran into more more problems, if you will, in managing my career. Uh, but it's interesting, even this evening, just uh, as I was out on my walk, I had a kind of an epiphany of remembering back and one of the decisions I made around my career early on in my adult life. And I realized like, ah, that actually is an example of sustainable ambition as well. So at a high level, how do I think about sustainable ambition? I mean, first off, I do think about it as a little bit of a strategic approach to life plus work integration. It is a bit of my two worlds colliding where I'm a strategist as part of my life and then I'm doing this work around life plus work integration. But overall, sustainable ambition is about crafting fulfilling work that supports fulfilling lives from decade to decade with the end goal being to experience more joy in your professional and personal lives with more ease and less angst while still being ambitious. 
And in that episode 10, I had shared how my own experiences had informed sustainable ambition along with what's been happening out in the world. And the pandemic, frankly, only further emphasized this. So for one, I believe that the way we've defined success isn't sustainable anymore. That this push towards a linear upward trajectory career path also isn't sustainable or frankly, just how careers and work works for most people in today's work environment. And also that the modern addiction to business is frankly just inherently unsustainable, which I think we can all agree with. So I had shared how another way to think about it is how the world traditionally views or defines success. So the current worldview is that those who align with society's norms around success, those are the successful folks. You know, reaching the top in a straight line and quickly, that that equals success. And then also, unfortunately, and I think this is changing, luckily, but not perhaps completely. And believe me, I'm a hard worker, so I struggle with this one myself even. But I, I also agree, working ourselves to exhaustion, um, that's what often is seen as success, right, today in the current worldview, this hustle culture. But in a new worldview of success through the lens of sustainable ambition, that would say, Success is about your definition of success, not society's. That a career path is is often not linear, but more meandering with one's satisfaction, ambition, and capacity evolving and ebbing and flowing over time. And finally, that we need to bring our life into our work. It's important to manage our energy holistically holistically across our life, and that it's important to put our time and effort against our priorities and what matters most. So I think today, sustainable ambition, as I mentioned earlier, is still just as relevant as, as when it launched in 2020. And what's really interesting to me is also because I think that Workers today are are collectively asking the question, you know, what do I really want from my work and how does it fit into the context of my life and how do I bring myself into my work? And I mentioned research earlier, and one of the things that I've been researching is um, work by Robert Keegan around the, the theory of adult development and these adult stages of development. And I'm going to way oversimplify here to get us moving on, but I just thought this was interesting. What he what he talks about in terms of adult development is a we do just as kids go through different stages of development, and they have to go through each of those stages of development to get to the next stage. We adults are similar, and we don't think about that. I think most of us think at age 18 we're done, <laughs> we're done growing and done going through these different stages, and that's not the case. And what's interesting is Keegan talks about a couple of different stages. I'm just going to focus on two of them. Stage three, where he talks about the majority of the adult population tends to live, which is in this socialized mind. And what happens here is that we are more so aligning with the norms and beliefs and the systems around us that society is telling us, that family is telling us, culture, et cetera. And so about 60% of the adult population tends to fall into this socialized mind. And then the next stage is what's called the self-authoring mind. And about 35% of the adult population falls in there. And that's when we start to move into 
we can define who we are and we're not defined by other people or the environment around us and the culture and context around us. And so we we become more self-authoring. And it seems to me that what's starting to happen during this time and coming out of the pandemic is that we collectively are making a shift out of this socialized mind and towards a self-authoring mind. And we are collectively as a society moving from what should I do to what could I do and what would I do if I could? And so I, I provide that just as background and context, and it might come up a couple of times as I go through the themes that we heard over the last um, 49 episodes. But I just think it's a, such an interesting time that we're experiencing as we're all kind of wondering about these questions. And as many of us are continuing to work with this aspiration of sustainable ambition. So let's get into these 10 themes. So the first one is pay attention. So this theme has been consistent for me both before the podcast. This was starting to show up based on research I had done on career transitions. And then it's been confirmed by guests that have been on the podcast as well. And one way to think about this, and I have to credit a good friend for giving me this analogy or a way to think about it, which is think about it almost as if like the algorithm has shifted on you. So I don't know, for those of you, you might not think about Google all the time, or you might not work in marketing, but you know, Google has a search algorithm and they often change it and they change it up to optimize it. Well, a similar thing can happen to us where our I might say our you plus work plus life algorithm has shifted. Something's changed. And if you aren't paying attention, that can really sneak up on you. Or you let it go on for so long that all of a sudden it becomes a bit of a crisis. So when you start to sense in your body that something is brewing, that you are getting restless, that you get the sense that something is off, that you can't do this anymore, (laughs) Pay attention and get into action and don't ignore it. I love that Catherine Carruthers in episode 21 talked about this, where she she made this exact point to listen to your body, listen to your intuition, pay attention to those signals that might be saying you're ready for something new. And she really said it's it's when we resist our intuition that we get into trouble. And in episode 46, Tammy Guler-Loeb said a very similar thing. And she she really talked about, again, that importance of listening to our intuition and listening to that inner voice. And, you know, her hope was really that, like, if we could listen to that a bit more and follow that voice and follow in that direction, that it would likely leave us all a little bit more at peace with ourselves. So it's not uncommon to start to have this intuition, this voice that might be saying that something's up. And yet, you know, part of the reason I say pay attention is because a lot of people get surprised when they start to feel like something is off and they're not satisfied anymore with their work or their ambition has shifted or they're realizing that their capacity has changed because of life circumstances. So to me, it's important to raise awareness to this fact that to pay attention and to this fact that Yes, our satisfaction, our ambitions, our capacity for work ebb and flow over over time. They change and evolve. 
And so because of that, one of the things that's also just really important in terms of when you're paying attention is to really tune into yourself when this starts to raise its awareness with you that something might be off or something might be going on. It's really to tune into yourself and make sure you know yourself to help guide you towards what might be next for you. So when I did career that career transition research, I would often hear from people, I hit a wall and I looked up and I didn't know what I wanted. And they didn't know themselves. And so they had to step back and take that time. You really can't just jump from this awareness that something is wrong right into looking for a job. You really need to step back and get to know who you are and what you're looking for first. So there's there's some work to do there um, before you get, get started. And one of the quotes that I loved uh, from the podcast episodes that really resonated with me um, around this idea too was from David Brown. And he said, quote, there really isn't a sustainable option other than to be yourself. So to think about that, like you can't really figure this out unless you tune into yourself and kind of, um, and know. And I love how he put it into those words himself, this idea of it being the sustainable option. So number two is about courage and risk-taking. And really, this is a little bit about a mindset to bring to living with sustainable ambition. So over the course of the podcast, we've heard many people talk about how it takes, many people talk about how it takes courage to take a divergent path, to chart our own course, to become more self-authoring and not just follow the shoulds if we take those adult stages of development language into account here. And we heard this in our conversation in episode 16 with Christine Bader and Eva Dinal in the work that they're doing around the life I want and what they've heard from people they've been interviewing who tend to take a divergent path. And we also heard it again from David Brown. That was in episode number nine. Forgot to mention that earlier. Um, you know, where he talked about it and he had written a book and he talked about this idea of it takes courage to move from the norm that's become your norm. That is many times as you might veer, each time can feel uncomfortable and can ask you to call on that courage again to, to really move forward. So again, David brought forth this fact that courage is really needed. And then around this, I love this idea of risk. It's risk has come up uh, many times. And there were several times where we heard in particular where people talked about how taking risk was something like if I was asking them, hey, what would, what would be your advice to give to your 20-year-old self? It was often, hey, early in my career, I really wished that I had taken more risk. And that's really a good time when you're not locked down in certain lifestyle to take, take on that risk when you are younger. So we heard that from Jeff Tanner in episode number one, as well as Stephanie Carter in episode 12. But then, so I, I appreciate this idea of, yes, take risk when you're young. I can appreciate why that's important. But what started to strike me as I talked with a few other folks who I'm going to mention is how I'd actually say, be risk-taking always. And so I appreciated how Mike Murgatroyd in episode 35 talked about taking good risk. And he said, quote, 
understand what good risk is and embrace good risk. All risk is not created equally. And risk is a fantastic part of the portfolio that allows you to live an extraordinary extraordinary life, whatever that means to you. So I loved how he talked about this and how he also talked about how risk-taking is a practice. And so I, I think that's really important. And it struck me as well then in episode 31, speaking with Dory Clark, who's the author of The Long Game, and talking about that book with her. And when Dory brings up this idea, she brings up courage as well. She says, essentially, anything is possible if you have the courage and then also the strategic patience to play the long game. But what dawned on me in that conversation is that, you know, we could be taking good risk always and planting these seeds. Um, It's just not, it's not for the young, just the young. Um, And I think if you don't continually put yourself out there and stretch into what's new, you kind of put yourself at a disservice. So I would rather say, don't get stuck in status quo and being stagnant and really look to build resilience and build a regenerative career by constantly being curious and courageously exploring and planting seeds. I was also just listening to another episode of Daniel Pink uh, talking about his new book on regrets. And um, one of the four buckets of regrets that he identified was what he called boldness regrets and where people regretted not taking action. And I kind of align this to this idea of being willing to be risk-taking and putting oneself out there. And I think it it relates also to this idea of, um, I'll borrow George Eliot's quote, uh, that quote, it is never too late to be what you might've been. So if it's never too late, perhaps you can step into that good risk on an ongoing basis to really keep yourself on a growth curve. Now, the third area is around this idea of defining your own success metrics. And I shared at the start how I think success should be self-defined. So why not define our own success metrics to go along with that? Uh, Back in episode number 30, Bethany Baines talked about this and this idea of really encouraging us to take agency of our own lives and our own goals and our and allow ourselves to buck societal norms that have been in, put in place for us. And so this idea of really taking control and defining success for yourself uh, was something that Bethany really championed. And then I loved how in episode 16, Eva Dino really shared this idea of defining success metrics of your own. And I would almost encourage you to say like, what are success metrics if I was to look at for myself, for my work, for my life? And with Eva as a model, you know, really she looked at um, metrics really aligned to her life. And she said, you know, I had a goal when she left her corporate gig to, she had a goal of running as many miles a week as the hours she worked. And then she also set a goal around spending a certain amount of nights camping outside. Those were her core metrics of success for her in her life. So you can do the same. How do you create these definitions uh, and metrics of success um, on your own terms? So that was the third theme that came up. So the fourth theme 
is around this idea of seeing our work journey as a series of adventures. And I have to thank David Brown again for this language. But if we build on Keegan's model, again, going back to that adult stages of development, one of the things um, that has come up for me over the course of the podcast, as well as my working with clients, is this idea of letting go of the angst around our journeys. And part of this is based on this idea of both the adult stages of development, we grow over time. We also get to know ourselves over time. And I think this is what David was kind of speaking about that, you know, he kind of said, gosh, I, he would love it if we were just a little bit more freeing around this concept and around our career journeys. And instead of bringing a lot of angst to it, really seeing it as a series of adventures. And I I think there's a lot to this. I think that some of it is about being um, in that journey and realizing that we're continually learning about ourselves over time and we're honing and tuning as we figure out what is attracting us next around our career. This really clicked for me as well in reading the book Range by David Epstein. And in the book, he talks about this concept of match quality. And it's a term that economists use to describe the degree of fit between the work someone does and who they are and their abilities, their proclivities, et cetera. And so that's the thing. I think, you know, hey, if you're somebody that knows your passion and really aligns with their work early on, that's fabulous. But for the majority of us, we're not wired that way. It's both we have multiple interests or we just get a glimmer or we need to learn about ourselves over time. And so this is what's happening. We're learning about ourselves over the course of our career. We're constantly looking for that optimized match quality. And so I think if we were to think about that, my hope is it would just lower the angst around, you know, a couple of things. One, you know, needing to get it right from the get-go and accepting that it's a learning journey. And then I also think there is one of the things that's come up in my conversations with clients is this idea of kind of angst around following the shoulds early on in our careers. And when people look back and they said, oh, I I didn't follow my heart or I did the should, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And I'm just wondering, perhaps, you know, it's because of this whole adult stages of development, it's not uncommon for many of us to follow some shoulds still aligned probably to elements of who we are. But as we learn more, we're able to, about ourselves, and as we move into, um, move away from a socialized mind, we're able to move a little bit more from that should to could over time. Now, around those moves, there were a couple of things that a few folks said that I really appreciated around this. You know, Mala Singh in episode 15 said, just make one good decision at a time. So I really appreciated that. And then Will Schaefer also talked about this in episode 36, where he said, you know, really just a great reminder that in reality, change only happens step by step. So again, what Mala said and what Will said there really go together in terms of, you know, trying to lower the angst and the stress around it and just making one good decision at a time, knowing that you're going to build your career step-by-step. And then I also love what Lisa Lewis Miller said in episode 11. She said, quote, 
I think that giving yourself permission to change and to be a constant work of art that you're refining, polishing, and adding to over the arc of your career and your life is a really empowering and beautiful way to think about career ambition in a way that can feel sustainable. I love that. Again, just seeing it with a different lens and reframing it so it's not not so painful, but actually is this lovely, beautiful journey um, that again, can be a series of adventures. All right, so to complement that, um, the fifth area is this idea of building optionality. And I kind of think of this as bringing forward like an investor mindset, if you will. And I think it's kind of, it's around this idea of building and developing resources so that you have optionality. And I think it can also help ensure you're prepared for eventualities and to be opportunistic. So I'm going to focus on kind of three core areas here. So the first one being um, around this idea of owning your growth agenda. So many, many people (laughs) across the podcast talked about the idea of a growth mindset also the importance of embracing a beginner's mindset. We talked a lot about following your curiosity. That's definitely something that I champion. And I also liked how Dory Clark in episode 31 talked about building your runway. And she said, you know, the key thing at whatever age, whether you're 30, whether you're 55, is the way that you can build runway and buy runway for yourself is to be thoughtful about cultivating your off time and your nights and weekends. And I think what she was saying there was, again, always investing in your growth agenda, really planting those seeds, exploring things, playing that long game. But it's like you you build that runway and you build that optionality by being in action and owning this growth agenda. Tim Gelpin also talked about this in episode three, where he encouraged people to always be curious, always be asking questions, always investing in continual learning. So definitely really important. The second thing in terms of building optionality is around really positioning yourself and developing your personal brand. And there were two examples of this. Philip Van Dusen in episode six talked a lot about that whole notion of personal branding, investing in that, crafting your narrative, really important. And then Will Schaefer in episode 36 really talked about how he, as an example, really positioned himself to um, be positioned for a particular type of work. So Will really leaned into plant-based foods and invested in that and purpose-oriented work, which landed him at Beyond Meat. And ultimately, he was in a senior marketing role there, went public with the company, et cetera. And he really you know, invested in how, what he was passionate about and really interested in and focusing on being purpose oriented. Um, but it was around building. He, t- I probably can't, can say that's his personal brand. He crafted a narrative around himself, invested himself, positioned himself in a way. And in doing so definitely built optionality and really put him in a position to be opportunistic around opportunities. 
The third thing that came up around this idea of building optionality was really around finances. And I really appreciated how Tim Galpin in episode three talked about this, as well as Bridget Jones, um, who is the founder of Smart Sister Finance, who really talked about many of these things. So Tim talked about this idea of not getting yourself locked into a lifestyle so you can have your, you can really set yourself up for more flexibility if you desire it later in life and for your career. So that might not relate to everyone, but I still think it's wise counsel and advice for you to think about. Like if you want to build optionality for yourself, if you want to even, it's another way to build that runway, if you will, Um, not just skill sets with runway, but also like how do your finances potentially give you some runway if you need some optionality and making a pivot in your career? And Bridget really talked about that as well. And she talked about the importance of, you know, in particular, like knowing your base rate, how much do you need to live on um, and getting really smart about um, your financial goals. So building optionality, super important. All right. So number six is owning your narrative. So owning your narrative has come up a couple of times on the podcast and One of the books that I really love about career transformation is called Working Identity by Herminia Ibarra. And she also in the book talks about telling our stories and how it's important to be able to articulate why we're reinventing ourselves, who are we becoming, et cetera. But I wanna just talk briefly about this idea of working identity. Really her her philosophy is that, um, and her thesis is that what's happening is for many of us as we change careers, if we've made a more significant pivot, it goes back to that idea of match quality. But what she would say is we're shifting our working identity. We're stepping into a new identity. And so therefore being able to tell your own narrative of what that new identity is, is really important. And we heard this uh, from both Lori Mihalik Levin in episode number 38, as well as from Philip Van Dusen in episode six. Each of them, as they stepped away from their corporate roles, talked about this a bit of an identity crisis that they had. You know, Lori really talked about how, gosh, if I'm not a partner at a law firm anymore, like who am I? Even though she was stepping into being a full-time CEO of the company that she had started. And Philip had a similar thing where, you know, he stepped away from a corporate role. He didn't have that business card anymore. Like what was his identity? So being able to craft your narrative uh, around sustainable ambition and these different stages of one's career and your arc is really important. I loved how Rebecca Williams in episode four also talked about this. She had some really powerful things to say. She talked about, first off, that how most people really aren't clear about who they are and why they do what they do. And so they can't claim their stories and own their narratives and articulate them in a powerful way. So if you're you're one of those people, like it's a wake-up call. And she talks about how when we are able to clarify and articulate that for ourselves, that we can become then more fulfilled with our work and become more clear on our path forward. 
And she had this to say as well in terms of how story can really impact how we see ourselves. She said, quote, we have to see a bigger story for ourselves if we want to live fulfilled, purpose-driven lives. So I love how Rebecca talked about that. And Rebecca does that work in working with people and building their own narratives. So that was theme number six. Theme number seven is about, and this starts to get into the idea of managing our energy and, you know, really bringing our life into our work. So the seventh area is around this idea of having a realistic perspective and making choices. And the reality is with sustainable ambition, you know, even without sustainable ambition, we can't do it all, right? But I think what I'm, what sustainable ambition asks us to look at is that, like, let's have a realistic perspective around this and let's really be in choice around things. And so I want to just mention two, two examples of this from, from the podcast episodes. So one was Stephanie Carter, who in episode 12 shared how when her husband became secretary of defense under President Obama, she, you know, she had a big job. She was working at a private equity firm. Um, and yet she knew that she needed to keep her world small at the time that her husband was in, in that role. And she needed to cut back in some areas and say no to some things so that she could really have the space to support him in the significant role he was taking on because she too was a part of that work, if you will, um, and took on certain activities um, based on the fact that he was in that role. So it's just, it, it was a great example of just being really clear and thoughtful um, about the fact that she needed, she couldn't do it all. She couldn't do it all. And then another way to look at this in terms of having realistic uh, perspective and making choices, um, I loved how in my conversation in episode 23 with Liz Kohler and Claire Davenport, that we talked about this idea of, um, and this concept around satisficer versus a maximizer. And um, I really thought this concept was a game changer. It really comes from positive psychology, which both of them um, are practiced in and studied. And, um, you know, Claire really talked about this idea of, uh, of really, I think that we can all be likely better off if we, if we can limit our choices and accept good enough, as opposed to thinking that we have to maximize everything. So it's important to be discerning, you know, when we do do this, like, when does it make sense to maximize my choices? Um, and Liz shared in this conversation as well, how uh, it can be helpful to pay attention when you are in each mode. Like when do you need to be in maximizing mode and when can you be in the satisficer mode um, where you can really lean into simplifying by just accepting good enough. So I really love that concept and was really appreciative that they brought that forward. Another thing that goes along with us, this is come up a lot over the course of the last year in various forms um, in my work, which is this idea of really asking, like, what will you allow yourself to be bad at? You know, pick something. <laughs> we do not have to be good at everything. All right. So theme number eight is around making things sustainable. And if we're going to make things sustainable, embracing the importance of sustaining ourselves and taking responsibility for that. 
And I would say, you know, if we are going to stretch and strive, which by the way, I don't think is a bad thing, right? This is sustainable ambition, but I do think ambition gets a bad rap. But if we are going to keep ourselves on a healthy growth curve and be stretching and striving, I encourage all of us to also then say, have a plan on how we're going to sustain ourselves. So why is this important? Well, I loved how in episode 48, Jenny Blake said this, quote, one big aha that I had early on is that no one person, whether you work in a company or you work for yourself, no one is trying to make you feel burnt out and exhausted. There's no burnout conspiracy committee that is like trying to run everyone into the ground. But the nature of the beast, the nature of the times that we're living in, of technology, of having 3 million inboxes across every different platform, not to mention text messages, it's completely unsustainable. So she's right. So in that case, you know, no one, there's no conspiracy around this. Now, can companies be doing a better job of helping us all manage it? Sure. But I encourage us, okay, well, what is our plan? How can we start to stand up for ourselves and make sure that we're sustaining ourselves? I appreciated how Katie Cicerini talked about this in episode 32 and how she really owned taking care of herself first. She said that, you know, she didn't see it as being selfish. Rather, she saw it as being selfless so that she made sure that she showed up as her best self for others every day. And I also loved how Leslie Ford in episode number 19, we talked about how you know, she really talked about it as this idea of self-critical care. And she encouraged everyone to really find something that allows you to create space for yourself every day and not always be always on. Leslie also said, quote, you give yourself a, a different level of permission to regenerate when you realize that everything else in your life works better if your energy is intact and if your spirit and soul and what makes you, you is intact. So it gets back to what Katie was saying as well. Like she, if she takes care of herself, she can show up as her best. And that's what Leslie is saying too. When you don't take care of yourself and make sure that your energy is intact, you know, then we're not able to serve others in the way that we really can. Now, the other really important lesson, this is number nine, is that when you are thinking about sustaining yourself is the importance of personalizing it to you. You need to identify structures that work for you both at home and at work. And I loved how episode in episode five, Wade Brill talked about this. She really talked about early on this idea of taking personal responsibility for our own self-care. She likes to say, care for self. And that for it to be sustainable, it really needs to include elements that are defined by you and work for you. Heather Ainsworth also championed this. She was in episode number two. She's the founder of Workable Concept. And, you know, she she talks about this fact that we are really in choice around finding better work-life integration. But in this, she also said, you know, really be, she encouraged us to be more ambitious um, actually around this and asking for what we want around better work-life integration. Um, So I loved that she really encouraged that for us as well. And then I also just liked Mala Singh's perspective around this too. She was in episode number 15 again, 
And, you know, she's the chief people officer of electronic arts or EA. She has a big job. Uh, and so, but she needed to make things work for her and she saw it that way. So she, she acknowledged, and this was a quote, like I work a lot, but I also have work-life balance because it is a balance that I've chosen for myself. And it's the balance I've structured my life around and it works for me. So my hope is that everyone can kind of work towards that, that kind of idea of like making something work for you and kind of my preference is to function from a space of a no judgment zone. Like it's your life. You need to make sure that it works for you, but definitely around these sustaining structures as well and structures that you put around your home life, your work life, um, customize them to what works for you. And then to close things out in number 10, and these, I have a lot of P's that I talk about with sustainable ambition. This last one, I'm going to talk about four different P's um, that I think help make things more sustainable. So one is pause, pace, permission, and peace. So I talk a lot about the importance of pauses, and I think these are so important, especially given burnout today and all the talk on that and what people are experiencing. And I still find it kind of amazing, frankly, that there just isn't, it doesn't seem like there's just as much acceptance of the true reality. I know people talk about it, but it just doesn't seem like there really is enough acceptance of the true reality of how much work demands of us today and really frankly all of life but you know we most of us are not working just nine to five anymore and yet vacation structures haven't changed at least in the united states you know we still only get two weeks off say (laughs) Um, and yet we're working way more than we used to in the past when that structure was first put in place now one of the things that has come up a lot on the podcast, and I'm definitely an advocate of our sabbaticals. We heard from a number of different people on the podcast that talked about this, and I'm definitely an advocate of that. And I know we can't all take sabbaticals, um, but if you can, if you can plan for one and be, you know, very thoughtful about it, I highly encourage it. But I also think about micro breaks and pauses each day, week, month, quarter, and year. I really think that's important. And Amy Bonds on episode 34 talks about this. She said, quote, the real gap that we've created in our culture is that we live in extremes. We rush, 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 rush. We do a ton, we burn out, we take vacation. And a lot of what I advocate, she said, is for how we can create bursts of rest and recovery throughout the day and throughout the week. So I really love that. And I I would encourage that as well and champion that too. Now, one of the things about sabbaticals, though, I'm jumping back and forth a little bit here, but I just want to note that because oftentimes I am still scared to talk about having taken a sabbatical because I don't think it's, I still don't think it's really accepted. And yet I was appreciative of hearing from Layla Tariff in, um, 
who is the chief people officer of Allbirds. That was, this was in episode 18, where she talked about how, you know, wow, if you have somebody, a company um, that isn't accepting that, then it's likely not the right company to work for. And she believed that was just such a 1990s view of sabbaticals. And she even said that, you know, she's taken pauses in her career and she thinks it hasn't hurt her career at all and has really helped sustain her both professionally and personally. So I think that's a, a great endorsement. Now, the next thing is, is pace. And, you know, this came up many times and is something that I think is important from a sustainable ambition perspective. And as I think something that doesn't get enough attention, um, and Jeff Tanner talked about this in the very first episode where, you know, despite even for him, somebody who I think, you know, had a really clear sense of his ambition very early on of where he wanted to go with his career, you know, he's he's finally at a stage where he's like, you know, I can pace myself. I, I don't need to get into that CEO role right away. There's a lot to learn. Um, and I think it's just a great reminder for all of us that, that we can pace ourselves. And this is an area where I'd really love to see companies doing more around pacing. When I worked at Clorox, it's a similar, it's a common model to use, to use this two by two P grid, again, more P's, where you're looking at performance and potential. And, you know, performance makes sense. Um, but what often I feel gets confounded when you look at potential is that people make an assumption that potential is also, again, going back to that idea of moving quickly. And I don't think that's a complete view. I, I think that people can absolutely have potential. Uh, and yet I don't think we're accepting the realities of how biology works uh, on this planet. And the fact that people have kids and, and have families and the fact that um, the workforce is at least 50% women, I should know the exact stat. And you have, you know, about at least 40% of households where their single earners are women. Um, so, there's a lot of reasons why we need to, I think, bring pace into this lane, you know, this conversation around how we think about um, managing career paths for people within corporate environments. I, I would advocate for looking at performance potential and pace as part of that conversation. So the final two areas I wanted to talk about were permission and peace. And I'm going to um, reference Christopher Carter or Casey Carter in episode 29 around these. And permission came up in, in several different conversations and probably outside of the podcast as well as I was listening to other things or talking to other people. Just this idea of permission is coming up a lot. And Casey had this to say around it, especially around this idea. I mean, it kind of is related to pace also more in the moment. But he said, you know, when are you going to slow the hell down? Who's going to do this for you? Nobody can do it for you. You have to give yourself the permission. So there is something within each of us too, where this idea of giving ourselves permission to make it more sustainable is important as well. And the thing that Casey ends up talking about that I really love is he talks about how um, and brings a along with this idea is this idea that we are all craving an element of peace. And 
you know, he talks about, you know, getting more comfortable with being content and taking pauses and that it it's so helpful for all of us to lean into this idea of contentment and peace. And he says, we often confuse it with complacency that we're being lazy. Um, and yet really he's like, well, isn't contentment the goal? You know, why do we work so hard? So I love just leaving with this idea of like, you know, can we give ourselves a bit of peace and, you know, Casey goes on to talk about from a leadership perspective, and I would say he advocates, and I agree that we are leaders in many facets of our lives, not just at work. And he would say it's really in finding that peace that allows us to actually be able to manage all that's coming at us in this dynamic, demanding world of ours. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. Well, all of them as well, but the Casey episode too, if you're interested in this idea, I can't say it as well as him, but he, it just really resonated with me, this idea that, you know, leaning into see, finding some peace would be really um, helpful for all of us and giving ourselves permission to lean into that contentment and to slow things down. So those are the 10 powerful themes. I know this was a long episode, so thanks for sticking with me. Hopefully you can listen to it on speed, sped up time, but um, I really enjoyed just all this learning from these first 49 episodes of, of the podcast. And if you haven't listened to them all, um, I, of course, would encourage you to go back and, and listen into these wonderful guests. Um, but hopefully from hearing these themes to also take away some additional tips on how to live and work with more sustainable ambition. Again, I am so grateful to all of my guests and for all of you listening. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the next 50 episodes. This, doing the podcast is really one of the things that brings me the most joy. And so I'm looking forward to having more folks on and also doing solo episodes. And if you have topics you'd like me to cover or questions about your own sustainable ambition you'd like me to address, please send me an email at podcast at sustainableambition.com. And as always, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you would rate, review, and also please share it with others. I'd really appreciate it. So here is to your sustainable ambition. And until next time, be well, everyone. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.